Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on oh, There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now well, There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching In the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment Where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know it I couldn't see it There was Jesus For this man who needs amazing kind of grace for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay Oh, I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day Oh, there was Jesus There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching In the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken Every minute, every moment Where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know it I couldn't see it Oh, there was Jesus On the mountains, in the valleys There was Jesus In the shadows of the alleys There was Jesus In the fire so good to know that Jesus is everywhere. He's with us every day, every hour, every minute. And what a great reminder of that is today. Join me as we pray. Father, thank you for your love to us and thank you that you are present with us every day. Father, may we uh, plug into that every day, into our relationship with you, 
and grow deeper and stronger in our faith in you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. We're grateful, Lord. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for your grace and for your mercy and for your forgiveness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are so glad to see you here today. Thank you for joining us for worship. And almost everybody's in your regular place. I kind of like seeing that. That's kind of nice. Uh, we're glad you are here. We're glad you've chosen to worship with this church family today. If you're a guest, we welcome you. And we, we're glad that you have chosen to work at worship with this church family today. I want to call your attention to the QR code that you will find on the pews in front of you. If you'll aim your um, phone towards that with your camera, uh, it'll connect you to our Connect card, which we use for our guests. And it'll also give you news and announcements, prayer requests, information about online giving. Uh, you'll find that taped to the pews where you're sitting on both ends. In the balcony, I'm not sure where it is up there. It may be lay lying, laying on the tables up there, but you can shoot your camera towards that, and it will give you all the information you need. But we are just glad you are here. It's happy to see uh, all, all of us gather together again, and we pray that you are touched by the Holy Spirit today as we worship him. Why don't you stand and just kind of wave or whatever you want to do uh, to welcome those around you this morning. Then we're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
And as our worship team leads us, you continue joining us in worship together.
be seated. like to welcome you once again. If you're worshiping here in person or those of you worshiping online, thank you for joining us for this glorious day. We look forward to the day when Jesus is coming back again, but praise God that we have today to worship him and to praise him, to give him all the glory that he richly deserves. Thank you for being here this morning. Every week there's an opportunity for us to pray together. Under normal circumstances, I would invite you to come to this altar to pray, but whether you're worshiping at home or in this place, you can make wherever you are your altar. You can stand or you can kneel, but we believe in the power of prayer. I encourage you right now, wherever you might be, to join us as we pray together. May we pray Father, thank you for the beautiful music that we've been able to share today and to be reminded, Father, of just how great you are that you died on that old rugged cross and you were placed in a tomb and the tomb cannot contain you because life conquered death. And Father, we know that Jesus has brought us the victory. And Father, I pray today for folks watching or in this place that need victory in their lives. We've suffered a lot of losses during this season. Father, a lot of folks are struggling with pain right now and grief and suffering and hardship. Lord, I pray that you would just Bring your supernatural strength, your comfort, and love. Father, we continue to lift up Mallory, Toothacre, and Mark and their family and the loss of her dad and give comfort, Lord, to this family and a peace. Father, I pray for Susan Tracy and her husband, Chris, and the loss of Susan's dad. And would you just bless this family, Father, and comfort them during this difficult time. Father, we have a lot of folks in this church that have had surgeries or recovering from surgeries and now they're in therapy or rehabilitation. Bring them safely through, God, and restore their health that they might feel your presence wherever they are. And God, I pray for folks today maybe that are depressed are lonely, are searching for answers, looking for the truth. And I pray today, Father, they would find their answer, they would find the truth in Jesus Christ because he is the way and the truth and the life. And Lord, I pray if there are folks 
who have never given their heart and life fully surrendered to Jesus, that today might be the day of salvation for many. And Father, that our hearts would be renewed and we would find hope and peace and love and joy in Jesus Christ. Lord, we just continue to pray for our nation, our world, for healing from this pandemic. And God, we just pray that we're going to grow stronger in our faith and, and be the people that you would have us to be. Bless this church and all the churches that preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that great revival and spiritual awakening would break loose. And may it begin in each of our hearts. So, Father, remove any fear, any doubt, any sin. Father, remove any negativity, any critical spirit, anything in our lives that would hinder your spirit from moving in a mighty way today. Make it a clear passage from your heart to ours and ours to yours. And Father, we're just going to thank you and praise you for the victories we trust you to bring. Continue now to have your way through the music and through the proclamation of your word. And speak to us, God, through your spirit. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the glory and honor. For it is in the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5? And as you're doing that, again, I'm grateful to have uh, this ensemble from our choir here. Thank you all for being here to lead and for the beautiful music ladies and our worship team. What a great day it is to worship our risen Lord. Thank you for being a part of this service. We're just reading two verses out of Matthew chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Moses from King Pharaoh and in the cool the fiery furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When I think of what my God can do, He delivered Daniel, and I know He will deliver you. Amen. Thank you all so much for that powerful message and song. We agree. He's never failed us yet. And thank you, Lynette, for doing a beautiful job. I felt like we were in Sister Act on that. Remember that movie? It was awesome. Beautiful, beautiful, powerful message. Thank you for worshiping with us. I always like to share a little humor. And this is a little uh, pun, pun for you. So uh, I was talking to my son this week, and I said, Mountains aren't just funny, they're hill areas. They're hill areas. Okay, all right, let's try another one. I had a friend that called me and asked me if I wanted to go mountain climbing. He said it would be fun, and I said, I'm inclined to agree. Did you hear what the little mountain said to the big mountain? High cliff. You know, by this time, I thought there would be an avalanche of laughter, but instead I've hit rock bottom. Okay. Have you felt like over this past year that you have been climbing a mountain? I mean, we've been on an uphill climb, and we can't seem to reach the top. We can't get over the hump. It seems like we just continue to climb and climb. And maybe as a result, you have grown tired. Or maybe you've grown impatient. Or maybe you have just grown uh, even angry. And it's possible 
that along this journey that we've been on for quite some time, that you've lost your joy along the way. I spoke with someone this week, and I said, how are you doing? They said, okay, and I said, you know what? You just don't seem like your joyful self. Just doesn't seem like you have a lot of joy. And you know what they said to me? I guess I don't have the joy. And it broke my heart because this is a person who used to always be filled with joy. And maybe that describes you today. Maybe as a result of this long trail, this journey that we've been on, that you've just lost your joy along the way. In our scripture passage today, we see Jesus on a mountain talking to his disciples, giving a sermon. This sermon has been called the Sermon on the Mount. Many scholars have called it many different things. The ordination address to the disciples, it's been called the Magna Carta of the Kingdom or the Manifesto of the King. It's been called many different things, but what we know for sure is that Jesus was giving a moral and ethical challenge to his disciples and to you and me that some thought that it was just unrealistic to try to accomplish what Jesus was asking of his disciples and asking of us. But what he was doing is he was giving a standard he was given a standard for his disciples and for all who would follow him. And the only way we can accomplish these standards today is through a greater strength than our own that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, no matter what you're going through, and if you've lost some of your joy, you've come to the right place. For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at eight characteristics or eight beatitudes as we climb a summit of joy. You see, the world, along with its methods of happiness, will not bring true joy. Only true joy comes when we experience Christ in a real and personal way. So I pray this morning if you've been looking for love and if you've been looking for peace and if you've been looking for joy, you would find the answer in Christ. Because when we look at this passage, when we look at the beginning of this passage leading into the Sermon on the Mount, we know that Jesus sees the multitudes and that includes you and me. In verse 1 it said, now, when Jesus saw the crowds, did you know everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd of people that followed him? Why did the crowds follow Jesus? Well, you can look back up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. It said, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. People were hearing something they had never heard before, a teaching that just mesmerized them. They were hearing him proclaim about a kingdom 
that they could not yet fathom or understand. And a big reason is because he was healing all of their diseases and sicknesses. So crowds came hoping to receive the healing that they had seen others receive. If you would read on in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, large crowds came from Galilee and Jerusalem and, and Judea and the Decapolis and, and all across the region, across the Jordan. People followed him because, again, they wanted what Jesus was offering. And so today, you might be asking the question, in the great multitude of people that live on this earth, does Jesus see little old me, and does he really care what my needs are? And I believe scriptures point to many instances where we know that Jesus saw individuals even in the great crowd and the great multitude of people. If you would read in Mark chapter 5, we, we know that there was a man who was not among a crowd of people, but he was among a legion of evil spirits or demons living in the tomb. And remember, Jesus went to this demon-possessed, evil-spirited man, and he cast out the demons from him. There was also a crowd of pigs nearby, and he cast those evil spirits into 2,000 pigs that would go over the cliff into the water and drown. We know Jesus saw in John chapter 5 a paralytic who lay at the pool of Bethesda. He had been in that condition for 38 years. And even though there was a crowd of people, Jesus saw the man and he asked him, do you want to get well? And he said, sir, I have no one to help me in the water when it is stirred. Because they thought a curative power came when the waters were stirred or, or an angel came down from heaven and stirred the water. But Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And that man was healed on that day. In Luke chapter 8, there was a crowd of people coming in around Jesus, and there was a woman who had a bleeding issue for 12 years, and she thought to herself, if I could just get to his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And remember, she touched the hem of his garment, and he felt the power leave him, and he said, who touched me? And he said, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He saw Blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road going into Jericho said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what is it you want? He said, Lord, I want to see. He said, your faith has healed you. Receive your sight. He saw in Luke chapter 19 that wee little man Zacchaeus up in that sycamore fig tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from that tree. I must go to your house to stay. And we know that salvation came to Zacchaeus and his entire family because Jesus saw him right where he was. You better believe Jesus sees you and me right where we are and whatever shape we're in, whatever condition our lives are in, God sees us through Christ. And I pray today that he would set 
you free. Deliver you from whatever demons you're struggling with. Set you free from your ailments. Set you free from your spiritual blindness. That he would set you free from whatever sin is causing you to be shackled. But know that whatever is going on in your life, that Jesus sees you and he's there for you. I think about a story that Max Licato shared years ago in his book, The Applause of Heaven. He shared about a man who had uh, hands that were shriveled, feet that could not move. He said this man could not brush his own teeth. He couldn't bathe himself. He couldn't dress himself. He, he had a shirt held together by Velcro strips. This man had never been able to ride a bicycle, could never drive a car. He could not even walk. But what he could do is that he could graduate from high school and he could graduate from Abilene Christian University. What he could do is give his life to Christ. And what he could do is follow God's call into the mission field and become a missionary in Portugal. This man was Robert Reed. He had cerebral palsy. But he did not let that stop him from finding the joy that God brought him even through a very difficult time. As he went to Portugal, he found a, a restaurant owner who would allow him to come in after rush hour and feed him. He also found a, a teacher that would help teach him Portuguese. And then he went into a local park where he brought Christian tracts or Christian literature, and he would share the love of Christ the best he could. Over a six-year period, over 70 people accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, including who would become his wife, Rosa. Max Licato shared that he had the awesome privilege of going to hear Robert Reed speak in person. He said, everyone in the audience's heart was touched as this man was carried on stage in his wheelchair. As he was placed on the stage, they placed a Bible in his stiff, shriveled hands as he began with stiff fingers to turn the page, he heard sniffles out in the audience and tears began to flow. But he said, Robert did not want people's pity nor their sympathy. After feeling the spirit of God and, and the emotions that were running high, he said, Robert lifted his little hand and he said, I have everything I need for joy. I have everything I need for joy. What about you? Do you have everything you need as we continue to climb up this difficult mountain, hoping to get to the top and hoping to get over the hump and get back to some kind of normal or get back to some kind of real life? We have everything we need for joy when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's everything we need, no matter the circumstance. 
as the choir just sang so beautifully, he's never failed us yet. And he's not about to start now. Jesus sees the multitudes, which that includes you and me. And I pray that as we continue on this journey, that God would open our spiritual eyes to see his creek, to see his truth. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. Secondly, Jesus climbs the mountain. Jesus climbs the mountain. Where was this mountain? Well, Bible scholars believe that it possibly could have been on a rolling, uh, gently sloping hills on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. They feel like this is possibly where Jesus was giving this Sermon on the Mount. Just as Moses in Exodus chapter 19 verse 3 had gone up on Mount Sinai to get the old law, now we see Jesus going up on this mountain or this sloping hill to give a new law to his disciples or to his followers. But it's not the first time, is it, that we've seen Jesus on a mountain. We saw Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, when it said, so Peter, John, and James went with him up on the mountain to pray. You know what that was? That was the Mount of Transfiguration. That's when Jesus had conversation with God the Father and his face became white as snow and his appearance was like lightning as he was in the presence of the Lord and the glory of God shone all around him. We know that some have said that was Mount Tabor. Others have said Mount Hermon just behind Capernaum. But we know that he was on a mountain that was transforming we also would see Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And that's where he would go to pray. That was what Matthew's gospel tells us is the Garden of Gethsemane. That's when Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. Talking about the cup of suffering. Jesus would go there to pray, even with Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. We know that Jesus, as we just celebrated Easter, went up another mountain, Mount Calvary at Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he would die a criminal's death on an old rugged cross to die for you and for me. But then he would be resurrected because death could not contain him. Jesus is very familiar with mountains. As a matter of fact, he had told his disciples at one point, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done for you. So we know Jesus not only climbs mountains, he could even remove mountains. But why did Jesus go up on this mountain? Well, it's possible that Jesus went up on this mountain because he wanted to have a little respite away from the crowd. He needed some alone time. He maybe went up on that mountain to get some uh, clean air. <laughs> maybe he went up on that mountain to get a clear view. 
Uh, maybe he went up on that mountain so he could experience just a, a freshness of the presence of God in his life. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a place where you go to get away from the hustle and bustle of life and, and all the craziness that's going on in the world? Maybe it's in your favorite chair in, in your uh, sunroom. You got a lot of light in a sunroom. Maybe it's on a back porch in a porch swing or on a patio or on a deck. That, that's your place. Maybe, maybe it's a, a walking trail that you walk or, or maybe you like to go hiking and you've got a special place where you feel alone with God. I, I've told you all on many occasions, my father-in-law has told me many times he feels closest to God up in a deer stand or out on a boat in the middle of a lake. He, he feels the presence of God. I find myself talking to God many times, praying to him while I'm out on a golf course, asking him to help me hit a better shot next time. But the fact is, we all have a place where we can go and be in the presence of the Lord. But you know why else I think he climbed that mountain? To use it as a platform or a pulpit to say what he was getting ready to say to his disciples. You know, the sound bounces out if you're on a mountain in the echo. He was, he was using that as an amplification. So he was getting ready to share something very special. But we all must have a place where we feel near to the heart of God. I shared a story with you years ago about a, a man who had walked the journey of faith and he had taken in the spiritual air at the summit and, and as his journey on this side was coming to a close, a priest went to visit him in the hospital. And as he went to visit this man, he noticed there was a chair pulled up really close to the side of the bed. And the priest said, oh, have you just had a visitor here? And the man said, no, no, I, I put Jesus in that chair each day and I talked to him. And the priest looked puzzled and the man began to explain. He said, years ago, I had a friend to tell me that when you pray, you're talking to Jesus just as if he were your best friend. You're talking to him as you would your best friend. So every day, I put a chair there beside the bed. I invite Jesus to sit down, and I talk with him all day long. The priest said, okay, I, I get that. It was just a few days after that that the man's daughter came to the parish house found the priest and said, my father has, has passed. And she said, you know what? There was something very unusual about that. She said, one day he seemed so content and at peace, I decided I was going to get out for a couple of hours. So she said, because he looked so peaceful and contented, I left. When I came back two hours later, he had passed. She said, but you know what was really odd? When I came back, his head was not resting on his pillow. 
It was resting on an empty chair there beside his bed. And that priest knew exactly what he was doing. He was resting in the lap and in the arms of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We all need a place where we can go to be close to God. We all need a a place where we can just allow the freshness of God's Spirit to cover us and to fill us. And know today that Jesus not only sees you and your need, but he climbs that mountain just as he climbed Calvary's mountain to save us. But know that Jesus then gives a message or a medicine for us. Jesus gives a message or a medicine for us. Because when Jesus saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down and the disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Why did Jesus sit down? Well, it was customary for rabbis when they taught to sit down in a sitting position. They might give instructions, walk around talking, but a rabbi would sit down when he was getting ready to give the thrust of his message. Much like you've heard of a professor's chair, a professor would lecture from his chair and and, uh, bring wisdom and insight. Well, Jesus was sitting down as as a rabbi would do to be able to share what like a parent or like a boss or a friend, have you ever had someone to say, uh, have a seat here, there's something very important I need to discuss with you. There's something very serious. Or have you ever had someone to say to you, are you setting down? When someone says, are you setting down? They're getting ready to give you some big news. When Jesus sat down, he was getting ready to pour out his heart to open up his mind, to share the secret to his disciples of how they could live not a mundane or joyless kind of life, but a vibrant, powerful, joyful life living for Jesus Christ. And I pray that's what we all long for. And if you're wanting the secret of living a joy-filled life, then it begins with us climbing that summit together and entrusting our hearts and lives unto Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This past Monday night, I watched, it'll be a week ago, tomorrow night, I watched the NCAA championship basketball game between Baylor and Gonzaga. Did any of y'all watch that game? Anybody? About three of us in this whole church watched the National Championship, just because Kentucky or Louisville wasn't playing, you all weren't going to watch, right? I'm I'm boycotting. Well, I enjoyed it. There was some good basketball and two really good teams. What you may not know is Baylor, who won, is a Baptist college. It's a Christian school. Did you all know that? Baylor University. I already had grown to appreciate that team, how well they played together in their defense. Man, my old high school coach said good defense turns into offense. You know, you get after it. You you 
I, I, I tried to pay my son to slap his hands on the floor this year. You know, one time I used to slap the floor and I had saliva running out of my mouth. They thought, that guy's crazy. I'll hand you the ball if you'll get out of my face. But the fact is, I fell in love with this team, not only by their, the way they played, but I guess after they won their final four game, the player of the game was Jared Butler, who would end up becoming the MVP of the final four or the championship game. But Jared Butler had said, I want to give all praise and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of athletes might say that, whether or not they're actually living it. It's not my place to judge. But he said that, and I thought, I like him. And then he went on to say, sometimes the shots are falling and sometimes they're not, but I've learned to trust in him no matter what. And I thought, wow, that's, I like that, man. He's, I really like that. But then yesterday as I was studying and God always does this. It, it just is a reminder to me, <clears throat> I guess, when I get discouraged or down and you think, God, you know, what do I need to do or how do we need to be doing this or that? God sends a reminder. I got an email yesterday right in the middle when I was studying and preparing this message, and it was from uh, someone that puts out a, a Christian Word of encouragement is called Monday Matters. I don't know if any of the rest of y'all get that, but it's always like a, a word of encouragement, devotion. There's usually a song at the end. But when I received it, I just smiled and I'm like, God, you're so faithful. You're just so faithful because when I'm, you know, being discouraged or throwing myself a pity party, then he does something like this, and I wanted to read it. It said, Baylor's head coach, Scott Drew, took over the coaching position in 2003. After a post-game prayer Monday night, he was sitting down being interviewed by the press. Drew told an interviewer what makes his team special. We play with a culture of J-O-Y. He said, that's Jesus, others, than yourself. Baylor guard Jared Butler was named the tournament's most outstanding player, having led Baylor with 22 points. When asked about his accomplishments after Monday's victory, he said, I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel, but our Lord and Savior I say it all the time. He gets us through everything. Jesus Christ, man, he's the truth. He was with us tonight. He was with us all season. He's with us wherever we go. He just sustained us. He brought us together. And what Jared was saying is Jesus provided strength to be at their best, whether they won or lost. And of Baylor's J-O-Y or joy mindset, Butler says he's grateful to play at a school where Jesus permeates the entire culture. Jared, who teaches Sunday school at a local church in his free time, also says it's a blessing to share the joy of Jesus and the gospel message with children. 
I don't know about you, but I found another team I'm going to be cheering for next season. In addition to the one I cheer for. But isn't that a beautiful testimony that their culture on the team is Jesus, others, and then yourself. Wow. Man, if we could do that, that's a winning game plan for life. That's the secret of having real joy in your life when you place Jesus number one and then you love your neighbor as yourself. And then we're at last on the totem pole. We're denying ourselves. Then we'll be well on our way of being the most joy-filled people there is. Do you have that joy today? It begins with a personal relationship with Christ. Have you given your heart and life to him? Have you said, Lord, I've, I've never trusted in you. I'm ready because my way is not working. It's not happening for me. And I'm as empty today as I, I've tried to fill that void with a lot of worldly things, a lot of temporary fixes, but I'm still empty. There's a void. It's a God-shaped void that won't be filled until Jesus comes in or maybe you're a Christian but you have been losing your joy this person I was talking to earlier in the week they're a Christian they love the Lord but yet they said they've lost their joy would you like to get it back today renew your commitment to him you can do that or maybe you've been visiting this church I want to tell you this is a special place I can't thank you enough for your faithfulness, your love, and your prayers you've shown over this long season. You have been, I am honored to pastor you. I am humbled, my wife and I, my family, to serve you because this is a special place. I'm not just saying it. This is a wonderful place. And I've missed so many of you. But if you've been looking for a, a church home, I, I would sure invite you to be a part of this special congregation where we try to put Jesus first and all the rest of us are down below. But aren't you ready today to tap into that joy? You can do so even now as we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any people in this place or watching and they've never given their heart and life to Jesus, that they might pray a simple prayer and they can do it Father, in their own words, to say, Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. I love you, Jesus. Lord, if someone could pray that and mean it, from the depths of their soul, they can begin this journey. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Oh God, I pray that somebody or many today would receive you for the first time as their Lord and Savior. Father, maybe some Christians have grown tired or impatient or frustrated, even angry. And Father, today they want to renew that vow of commitment, rekindle that flame of devotion and Father, start putting you on the throne of their hearts and lives instead of everyone and everything else. Give them the boldness to make that commitment. Or Father, again, maybe 
Some folks have been looking for a church home. And Father, if they feel comfortable to come at the end of this service to join here or even online, they can join, Father, this church family as some others have done during this season. But Father, just give us the courage and the boldness to trust you and to obey you and to follow you because that's what brings real happiness and joy into our lives. Give us that courage, even now, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you in this place to stand. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment. These first pews are open. If you would like to come, it'd be my privilege and my honor to talk with you and pray with you about your commitment, your decision. Won't you come as we sing together? It's to be, if you've lost some of your joy, 
Someone said to me after the early service, like, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear because they too had been feeling like their joy had been leaving. So I'm grateful that we're going to be on this journey doing it God's way and not our way. If you're on our email list, you'll be receiving discussion questions that go along with the message today. And if you would like to get on that email list, contact our church office and we'll be happy to send you those you can do with your family friends a table group however the holy spirit leads you and this wednesday join us virtually at six here in the next few days we're going to be meeting with some folks to talk about future plans as we uh, get closer to opening things up even more today you didn't have to make a reservation to come to draw like that, not having to make a reservation today. Well, this was a trial. If there was mass chaos, <laughs> we were going to go back to, to still trying to keep you safe. But I think thus far, it seems like everything has gone well. And, and uh, I know as more people get their vaccinations, uh, you know, then maybe you're feeling more comfortable. I know Kelly and I had our second vaccine this week. Uh, my twitch went away, but I've been barking like a dog all week long and been scratching behind my ear. I'm kidding you. But hopefully people are going to feel more comfortable, you know, after uh, they feel safe uh, with their vaccinations. But thank you so much for your patience, for your prayers and your love. Don't forget how much God loves you and we love you too. Have a wonderful, joy-filled week as Bill, you close us with the song. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.